Welcome to Thriving Through Menopause, where we talk about this time of life, mind, body, and spirit. I'm your host, Clarissa Christensen. Each week, I'm joined by top professionals dropping their tips and advice. Remember, episodes drop every Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a beat. And if you like this podcast, please rate and review it. Thank you, because this helps others to find the show. You can check out our website, find out which episodes are coming up, and get the latest blog and advice by going to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com, and get ready to thrive, not just survive, through perimenopause and beyond. Welcome to this week's episode of Thriving Through Menopause with me, Clarissa. I am delighted to invite back someone who's a very dear person to me. She was a guest on the show, whoa, way back in the day when we were not a big show and talked about burnout. And she is Lisa Dure. I am delighted. Lisa, tell people a little bit about you, your background, and then we'll dive into a completely different topic. Oh, well, first of all, Clarissa, I'm so excited to be back. It's um, such an honor when a podcast host says, hey, come back for more. Um, And boy, we got more today. So I'll just, there's my foreshadowing on what we're going to talk about. Um, But I also want to thank you for being my first ever guest on my podcast. I mean, fun fact for my listeners too, you were the first guest that I invited because of our conversation on burnout in the intersection of women's health. So who am I? Um, Well, my name is Lisa Dury. I'm the CEO and co-founder of RLD Group. So I'm on a mission to eradicate burnout in tech. And RLD Group stands for Rebooting Leadership Drive. And the reason that you and I first met is we wanted to talk about imposter syndrome and burnout and women's health because they all intersect in life and at work. Um, I'm a mom. Uh, I have a dog. I am a sister. I'm a friend. And I'm also a woman living with lipedema. And I think that's what there's a little exactly. tip there about talking about what's what today is. So I'm I'm a lifelong learner and I'm passionate to be of service to others and I want to pour into your listeners today. That is so beautiful because indeed, listeners, we're going to talk about lipedema. I had never heard about it till I heard Lisa talk about it on another very good friends podcast, Period to Pause with the amazing Amanda Layden. And I just had to invite Lisa on the show because this is a health condition with no cure that affects one in nine women. And I am just like, whoa, how can I not know about this? I'm in women's health and no one is talking about this. So let's start at the beginning there, Lisa. What is lipedema for my listeners and for me yeah, too? Yeah, well, listen, I am not the doctor, but I can tell you my own experience of lipedema. And I can tell you the first thing is when I tell people I have lipedema, they go, oh, I know what that is because they confuse it with lymphedema. So lymphedema people are familiar with because many times you'll have someone you know who had breast cancer, a lymph, a lymph node gets removed and then they have arm swelling. Like that's like the basic classic, oh, I know lymphedema. So um, I'm the one who has both. So people get even more confused. So I have lipedema, which caused lymphedema in my system. So lipedema, in a nutshell, it's a connective tissue disease. And basically, um, 
my body stores what's called adipose fat. So it's, it's fat that I cannot lose from um, diet or exercise. And it's made its way through my connective tissue into my lymphatic system, like little, little pebbles in a river. And it's blocking the flow of my lymphatic, you know, toxic waste process, right? Your lymph system is what removes toxics from your, from your body. So then I have fluid retention and swelling and I present to the world as someone, um, you know, the medical community will call me obese. Um, people who aren't very kind would call me fat and people who love me would just say I'm beautiful. Right. But if you look at my body and you look at um, how I present, it's very misunderstood and usually just written off that I should just go eat less and move more. Yeah, because people are assuming then that you are just mm -hmm. obese in the sense of you overeat or you don't move or you have a very poor diet. And that's absolutely not the it's case. It's not the case. It? And the thing that I've learned, um, which really blows my mind, well, it's not the case on so many levels, but what I've learned is that I've had this my whole life. And so I've had a lifetime of dieting. I've had a lifetime of weight loss and transformation. I've had a lifetime of nutritional guidance. I've had a I mean, I did an 82 week medically supervised weight loss program. And then I, you know, I was also burnt out at the time. So I rebooted and, and my health is part of my reboot. And then I built my brand on talking about health. And this is how we met, right, Clarissa? I was like, I, you know, I understand what to put in my body. I understand how to move it. And yet, even though I understand it, it keeps coming back. And I, and I just kept thinking, what am I missing? Like, what is wrong? And I finally, finally, finally know what's wrong. But then now I have to undo a lifetime of judgment and blame and, you know, at times depression, lots of anxiety. I mean, as a public mm -hmm. speaker, as a CEO of a consulting firm, as a keynote speaker, right? I'm out there and you can't, I can't hide this. So if I don't talk about it, I'm not serving the one in nine women or their employers or their family members. But most importantly, the reason I want to talk about it is to take my power back. Right. Because you can really hide when you just present as, you know, someone who's larger than what should what is classified as healthy. Exactly. And of course, people don't understand. And we live in a world that's filled with fat shaming, mm -hmm. don't we, Lisa? And we're this is the worst part of it that we don't we immediately go to the worst case and say, Oh, this person and yeah. whatever, you know. I'm not even unconscious bias, just <laughs> yeah. bias that we have <laughs> comes out and no understanding. That must be extremely painful. It, yeah, it, I would say that um, in the uh, the community that I've found, because I think support is everything when you other people are living with this too. There's When you just go Google Lipedema or go on Facebook, you're going to find all kinds of support. But I found support through an organization called Lipedema Simplified. Because I wanted to understand what I was going through and what to expect. And fundamentally what happened for me and the pain that we're talking about on the emotional level, I went to my knee doctor because my knees were hurting and I was having a very hard time walking. And so I got referred to um, somebody who works for a professional sports team. And I thought, great, I'm going to get my answers on my knee. And I have this kind of... Um, I have a pretty big growth right around my knee. So when you learn about the lymph system, there's um, certain blockage areas. 
So my limpet, my lipedema had been blocking my lymph flow and I had this buildup of fluid and what's called fibrotic tissue fibrosis. So there's all these like, it's tight. Like think of it like scar tissue for like the, yeah. the person who hasn't experienced this. And the knee doctor who works on athletes every day, all day said, oh, I said, what's this thing on my knee? And he goes, oh, that's your bursa. And I'm like, what? So first of all, he didn't call me fat. He didn't say I was obese. He didn't tell me to move more. So I was like, I love this guy, right? He was really tall, very <laughs> fit. It was Halloween. He was dressed up. And I was like, he's fun. And he's not calling me fat. So I'm going to stick around. But then he says, it's your bursa. He goes, I'm not sure, but I think it's your bursa. And let's just do some injections in your knee, uh, steroid injections to get the pain down for you, right? Huh. So I left like, yeah, he didn't call me fat. Woohoo, right? But the injection helped a little bit, but the bursa, I've now named Bertha. That's my inside joke. I've named that part of the body now Bertha. <laughs> it's, it's a lipoma. So I figured it out because of these support groups. And this doctor who probably doesn't see lipedema patients because he works on athletes has never seen it. Right. And so I just was like, even the mental gearing up to go to a doctor, being prepared and hunkered down to be told you're fat and it's your fault. And then for him not to call me fat was like such the relief. I didn't care. He didn't know what it was. Right. I mean, that's part of the problem. Right. Just gearing up to be told you're fat. That's yeah. And that is just appalling. And it just shows the lack of you know, medical knowledge around some of these yeah. things, uh, which is, you know, a theme that recurs on this podcast more than, you know, Lisa, you know, we're always coming around going, you know, there's often this seeking of advice and then just meeting a clinician and they don't yeah. have it. They default to some basic stuff, uh, send you away with maybe some medication, some meaningless lifestyle stuff a lot of stuff and you're left hanging and it doesn't make any difference one thing i learned clarissa through this process and i think that's why i'm passionate about talking about this it's one of the reasons is the medical community like you know think of your car there's a tire specialist there's a brake specialist there's a you know a fluid specialist for your windshield wipers there's a light right they look at your body and parts not as a whole and that's how they're trained. And I, I'm blessed and so grateful yeah. for my primary care physician because I, I went and met with her after I figured out what was going on. Oh, that's another story, which I can tell you if you want. But I sat down with her just crying. I said, I've talked to you about my weight for years, and I think I know what this is now. And I showed her a pamphlet I had. And she's like, you know your body better than I do. And let's go explore this. So she's I've basically educated her. And she's opened every door for referrals and tests and all that. And then what that's happened is then I met with a physical therapist who focuses on lymphedema for cancer patients. And I've been educating her. And so she actually wrote me a note in December and said, thank you so much. I'm seeing it in patients. now. I can see it now and I know what to do. And so my dermatologist, I went yeah. for a skin check. I was like, hey, do you know what lipedema is? No. I said, you're looking at it. What? I said, might I, can I educate you? Because I bet you've never heard of this, right? So my eye doctor, my dentist, like anybody I can get to who looks at a body, I'm going to talk to them about it because it's it's so obvious once you know. It's It just makes so much sense what you know. And the thing that um, breaks my heart is that these, these doctors who I do bring it up to are so grateful that I'm sharing because they want to help. Like they're not dismissing us because they don't Yay. know. That's just, 
in the rule book mm-hmm. of you patient presents as obese, tell them to drink more water and move more and eat less. Off to the next thing, right? Yeah. Um, the thing that really rocked my world was having that 82-week medical um, weight loss program, which I was met with the doctor every week. They did blood work every week. I was supervised and they knew nothing about this. Yeah. Wow. So I'll just say this and I hope that I'm... Um, I hope that every listener can hear this um, at the depth of my soul. And that is there is a bias for women's health. If when you look at this through just the lens of who makes the decision, who writes the books, who gets the speaking gigs, all of that, um, we all as women have to really start telling our stories because the men out there care, but they are not, they don't suffer. And I know as someone who teaches influence skills, if you don't feel the pain, you're not going to do anything about it. Right. So you got to find the people whose mothers and sisters and aunties and best friends have lipedema and find the men, medical professionals through that way and get them to pay attention because they don't have a Bertha, a Bursa blowing up on their knee. So they're not thinking about it. They don't. It's don't this know. is a women's health issue crisis. It does not affect men because it's hormonally it's it's, it's, it's driven by hormones. Yeah, so. It is much more likely, isn't it, to occur in menopause because it's driven. That's by what happened for me. But I can tell you it happened in puberty, but I was still very active. Right. It happened in pregnancy. My pregnancy was very high risk. My blood pressure went through the roof. My edema was off the charts. They couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And then menopause just threw me into what, what I'm, I'm labeled stage three. So I think like stage one was puberty. Stage two was pregnancy and stage three was menopause. Yeah. Yeah. So it is a real hormonal. Absolutely. Link. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that again, you know, that links to the fact that women's hormones is a kind of a bit like the Wild West show in the midst. Of well, you talk about this every day, right? Dance. I mean, I'm still trying to figure yeah. out did the yeah. infertility treatment that I did exacerbate this or not, and I can't. I don't know the answer, right? But I have injected hormones yeah. for years to be able to have a healthy pregnancy. And uh, the more I go down this rabbit hole, the more I'm looking for connections with like um, infertility. There's also a couple of other conditions that come with lipedema that people typically present with. One is hypermobility. So your joints, right? If you break things easy and you don't know why, or um, you're really flexible in yoga class more than everybody else, you might pay attention. Um, I broke my ACL standing um, up in a lobby. I fell down on my ACL tour. My ankle broke when I was sitting in a chair. No, I was, I stood up from a chair and my ankle broke and my ACL tore when I was walking um, in a lobby. So like that could have been a sign like, oh, you're kind of more bendy than normal and things break easier, right? So hypermobility and there's also, it's called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which is very common for lipedema. We call ourselves lippy ladies. The lippy ladies have some other things that (laughs) go on too. There's way more. Um, but I'll just say that yeah. from a hormonal standpoint in women's health, we spend our whole lives trying to hide our periods and not act like we're having PMS or not call in sick if you've got a migraine or cramps, right? Like we're conditioned from very early on to hide what's going on and act like everything's fine. And so why would we talk to a doctor about this stuff? We're just going to like, I don't know, put your big girl pants on and keep going. That's what I did. Right. And my pants got bigger. Yeah. And that's what, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And that is exactly what women do. But I think, 
you know, what's still shocking me in all this conversation that it's one, one in, nine. in nine. This is this is not a rare, rare condition. This is not something that uh, you know, we're talking one in a thousand, one in ten thousand, one in nine women. And I and it just makes me wonder how many women out there are doing exactly what you did dieting, exercising, wondering why the hell am I not getting thinner and getting no answers. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, um, I might cry when I say this, but it's, it's just infuriating to me. Lipedema was diagnosed by the Mayo Clinic in the 40s. Okay. In the 40s, it's 2023. Yeah. yeah. I lose track of time. So, we won't age ourselves. So we're 80 years, okay? 80 years yeah. ago, right? And here we yeah. are, and I'm figuring it out, you know, in my early 50s. So one of the things that I would say is that one in nine, if we were to compare that, it's as common as breast cancer. Okay? Yeah. So let's like so level, I think it's a one in yeah, seven, let's one stop, in eight. Let's just yeah. like level yeah. set that for listeners. And um, the first invitation I would say, um, and I say this to leaders all the time, like you're basically living with a chronic illness that's undiagnosed. Because you don't understand, right? So when I flew to Hawaii, because I used to run events, I'd land and I, we, I'd say, oh, I'm puffy again. And I went to the emergency room in Hawaii and they're like, we don't know what's wrong, right? But even flying. So then I just went and bought compression stockings for airplanes and thought, okay, I just get puffy. But like, hello, Lisa. Hello, Lisa. One might follow up on yeah, that yeah. instead of just buying compression socks and hoping the flights work. So one of the things that... um I just invite people is to be curious and like do a real scan of when have you not felt like yourself. And if you don't, if you're a man or you're a woman without lipedema, who in your life do you think is struggling more than they're letting on? And it's presenting itself as either puffiness or swollen looking, or maybe their gait is off when they walk because it, you're, it starts to hurt when your lymph system is in overdrive. It's trying to protect you. And yeah. who do you know that keeps losing weight and it keeps coming back? That, you know, you're referring to Overeaters Anonymous or something else and not looking underneath, like, is there a physical um, disorder or disease going on that's causing this? We all have willpower. We all try. We yeah. know water in and eat your broccoli. Like, we know this, right? Yeah, yeah. This is, this is not advice that anybody, you know, doesn't have. But you're right. We know our bodies. Things are happening to it, here to us. And often the time I think we're so busy or we're glossing over this, we're not paying mm -hmm. attention, and we don't make the notes and go, this looks odd, I'm not getting the answers, I'm doing everything, what's going on? I mean, are there actually tests for this? So um, I haven't found a test that says you have lipedema. There's a physical exam where you can actually feel the lipedema nodules in your skin. Right. And so many of us think, oh, we have cellulite. And I was like, it's not cellulite. I thought that was what cellulite looks like. Nope. It was lipedema. So if your skin looks kind of bumpy, like a mattress, um, I can show you, but I know we're on video only, but you can, if you look, you can see like it's yeah. dented and ridged. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yes. So at the base yeah, of your yeah, yeah. elbow, you yeah. can push and you'll feel it. It feels like rice or like little marbles. Um, they do run hormone tests to just check out where you are in, you know, in, in your life and what's going on in your body. But yeah, no one's tested me. It's been a physical exam with a bunch of questions. And I'm blessed. And I'm say blessed, Clarissa. I found two doctors 
that um, were able to actually tell me because my primary care said, okay. But I thought, did I convince my primary care? I'm a pretty influential, you know, I teach influence. Did I convince her? And she giggled. <laughs> She's like, well, I mean, you're telling me what yeah. you got and it looks like this. And so let's go. Um, but two doctors actually looked at me, touched my skin, pushed on things, and then did a full history to look for what's going on. But I haven't found a test yet. No, no. And that's, I think, often the case. Yeah. But Lisa, talk about living day to day with a condition like this. I mean, how do you manage this on a day to day basis? Yeah. Um, there's like the physical management and then I'll talk about like the emotional management because it's it, it's both. It's not just one. Yes. So on the physical yeah. management side, what I found helpful and I've learned this through the communities that I'm in. First of all, eliminate as much sugar as humanly possible from your body because sugar is bad and causes inflammation. The second is a lot of people um, do much better gluten free. So lipedema is very painful. Um, I was at the point where I needed wheelchair assistance at the airport to get through the um, airport. I couldn't walk that far anymore. I can only stand for like maybe 10 minutes before I have to sit down because my legs are so swollen and it's so tight. It just really hurts. So gluten takes away some of that inflammation. I'm sorry, going gluten-free takes away some of that inflammation. Cutting out sugar removes inflammation. So anything that causes inflammation in the body, and Clarissa, you know this through you know the studies you do too, that's already helping, right? That's going to help with the pain. The second thing is um, there's this concept called manual lymph drainage. And there's wonderful videos out there. There's amazing practitioners um, but I found finding someone who was a certified lymphatic massage practitioner, I learned a lot from her and she helped me and we, I could actually feel my lymph draining. So like she'll do a, a part on my neck and then all of a sudden my chin gets smaller. I'm like, what is happening? So lymph drainage was really so great and um, for my whole body. And then there's dry brushing. Yeah. So you can move your dry brush with the, um, there's a protocol. So don't just go get a brush and go do this. Like, don't do it that <laughs> way, but you can dry brush and that helps. Um, people bounce on rebounders to get the lymph moving and people um, use vibration plates. I don't have one of those because I'm hypermobile. So that's just going to make me break something else. So I don't vibrate. I just kind of jiggle and bounce when I can. Um, movement is essential. And that's the opposite of what you want to do because it hurts. So swimming is a wonderful way to get the weight off and to be buoyant. And so whenever I can get into a pool, I do. And then there's wearing medical grade compression. So I was smart enough to know I should wear compression socks when I was air traveling, right? But there's actually medical grade compression for your whole body. So I have it all the way up to under my breastbone. And then I have it for my upper trunk too, because I have lymphedema um, in my whole body now, and I have lipedema in my whole body. Earlier, people have it in just body parts like your trunk area or your legs or your arms, but mine is, it's throughout my body now. Um, but all of that helps. All of those things help. And the good news, I have good news for everybody. The uh, lymphatic treatment, lymphedema treatment act just got passed um, in December. And that's now going to help Medicare, Medicaid patients get approval for the compression garments, which are very expensive. And oh. is preventing a lot of people from feeling better. So once that um, actually goes into play, then other insurance companies will follow. 
So I've been paying out of pocket for my lymph drainage, for my compression. Yeah, yeah. Like there's been a lot that's not covered. And that really helps people. It hinders people from being able to work, function, like, and be in society, yeah. which makes it even more depressing, right? So I'll pause because yeah. that's like the so med, that's like the yeah. physical side. And did I answer that okay? Of course. No, that was fantastic. I mean, and I think when you, you say it, it sounds very intuitive to someone like myself that obviously reducing the inflammation and moving, you know, this limb uh, is is logical. Yeah. yeah? But obviously, it, you know, you wonder why that doesn't sort of come automatically through the medical yeah. profession because we know that we know these things but yes and obviously alcohol is oh forget it i haven't had alcohol yeah, yeah. it's forget, forget it. about it like yeah yeah you know there's one thing i'll say and i want to say this to the medical practitioners listening who want to help i've learned that when they go to medical school they have one class on the lymphatic system clarissa one that's it yeah like they have one class on menopause. Right? So if you're thinking they're going to pay attention to the lymphatic <laughs> yeah. system, I mean, I know I've taken classes in college. I don't remember. And these people are doing this every day, right? Yeah. So it's really about helping um, everybody understand the lymph system. And I want to make sure I'm, I'm saying this clear because people with lipedema, your lymph system is affected too. But more, because I'm stage three, mine are now one. They're together. So I have what's called lipolymphedema. If you're stage one in puberty... You might just have um, bigger legs or the ankle cuff that people call or pain in your legs and not really understand why. Like you're not needing lymph drainage yet because you're not there, um, but you should be wearing compression so that your lymph system doesn't get an impact. And I'm not a doctor. It's just what I've learned. I want to be really clear. Talk to, you know, figure that yeah. out for yourself. Yeah. We're all unique. But people in earlier stages, I, those things still help too. And the one thing I didn't mention that I think I think is a game changer is that um, I was finally, after months and months and months, able to get my insurance to actually approve what's called a lymphatic pump. So it's a medical device and it looks like a space suit right. and it looks like a, like a ski suit, right? So mine is, I have a parks for my legs. It's this massive, amazing thing that has zippers on it. So I put my legs in and I zip it up. So the one I use is a lympha press. And they have zippers. Some of these are made with Velcro and you can't even right. get into them. And it, forget the Velcro, ladies and gentlemen, uh, yeah. zippers, because you can pull it, right? Someone else can pull it. So yeah. it has these really big tubes, goes to this really big machine. You got to get in the right position. You open up your lymphatic ports and then you turn the machine on and it squeezes gently for an hour and it moves it, right? So the lymphatic pump is a godsend. But the thing is, Clarissa, I have to be in that if I want to keep my mobility and actually really function in the world three hours a day. So it's an hour at a time That's and you huge. can't go back to back. You have to give your body a break. So I have six in the morning, noon and like seven at night is my schedule. And that impacts my ability to do things, right? Because I got to be plugged to a machine. Yeah. And that's no joke. Yes. Yeah, and I mean that has huge impacts for us if you have a younger which family, yep. if you have which you do, and you're you're running a busy business. I mean that doesn't even sound a possibility if you were employed by somebody. This is else. why I want to talk to employers. To right? They're to all manage. like, get back to the office. I'm yeah. like, mm -mm. 
Not with, not with people with chronic health conditions who have their home set up in a way that they can take their lunch break and pump. I was talking to a colleague of mine. I'm like, hey, yeah. can you talk to me while I pump? And it's a, just a gentleman. He's like, every time you say that, I think of breast pump. I was like, well, I guess that's true. And, you know, working moms need to nurse and they need to pump. So who cares what kind, what kind of pumping I'm doing? I'm asking for you to work with me so that I can make my sure my body's okay. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, education. It's- yeah. To, to exactly. Do that. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, listening to this, obviously, I, I'm immediately thinking about the impact on other body systems. And I know you're not a doctor, but there must be, you know, we, we're always talking about heart disease and osteoporosis and all these aspects of women's longer term health risks. Mm-hmm. And obviously, having so much additional weight let's just mm-hmm. call it that must must have an impact there as well and I, so, for sure am I and i'll say my um i went to a applied kinesiologist chiropractor because i was really having trouble walking and i wanted him to like readjust my body while i was going through all this too and he said lisa and i said you know do you think i'm fat i just asked him because i want to know if he's going to be my partner or not he goes no i think you're swollen and i was like oh my gosh i love this man already so he said, Lisa, if you took a trash bag and you filled it with 20 pounds of fluid and you taped it around your leg, I believe that's what you're carrying on one leg. On one leg, right? So he says, so that's yeah, going to yeah. impact your skeletal system, your bones, right? It's also fatigue because all those toxins are still in your body. So it's affecting, you know, everything. Um, so I don't know all the answers, Clarissa, but I do know um, I'm really very keen on getting regular blood work and working with all of my team that I've built to make sure that my other systems are not failing. Right. And that really does lead to the, the other side, which you asked me about living with this. Um, Self-care is an essential thing and that's not massages and bubble baths. Self-care is me getting in my pump, right? Self-care is me asking my colleague, can we talk on the phone instead of zoom while I'm on my pump? Um, self-care is saying no to things or, um, ask ahead of time, you know, is there a keto or a gluten-free option at the restaurant we're going to, so I can participate and not worry that I'm going to do damage to myself just to participate. Right. Um, self-care is asking for accommodations because I am disabled. Right. And people, don't understand what it even takes to muster the courage to even ask for accommodations. And I've been playing with the word inclusion, right? But if you have um, someone who is, has a chronic illness, what does inclusion look like or feel like for them would be different than everybody. Let's go to top golf and drink beers, you know? Yeah. So yeah, Uh, that really flows through everything we do that you're right. In being inclusive, being uh, uh, rather than being diverse organizations, we're looking at inclusion yeah. in organizations a- ahead of that. And and you're right. That means that you know these things that everybody wants to do, this team building stuff and these meeting stuffs, has to be turned on its head. So I, I'm I'm glad you're bringing that up because I think that flows beyond leopardy. Yeah. Because in this particular you know, space, you're driving them people to go, oh, maybe the way we've done things in the past doesn't work for everybody 
and that hopefully business takes more and more of this sort of thought uh, approach to to making sure people who work for them can be fully participating. Yeah, it's been become my mission because one of the things I've learned, and listen, I am guilty of all these things. I've scheduled top golf and beers, right? It's not like I'm not so immune yeah. that I don't know what it's like. I was an event planner. I, you know, I was in human resources. I planned lots of employee yeah. and customer engagements, right? What I've learned though is that asking the question, you know, what would make this an easy experience for you? Or what would make this, um, you know, energetically uh, positive for you? Because chronic illness, and, I, and I'll even say like neurodiversity, right? Neurodiverse um, employees as well. I will just lump all, all of us human beings together and say, we all have different needs. And when you design for, you know, the, what I'm going to put in air quotes, the norm that is typically designed for, it's like a five foot 10 male who's like 200 pounds, right? So, okay, you know, you can fit in economy seats and you're not too tall. Um, but someone with lipedema, um, I have to fly first class at this point because I don't fit in a typical airline seat. So if my employer's like, we don't cover business class, well, now I'm paying out of my own pocket so that I can get to your event that you're mandating I go to. But if I tell you, then I'm going to worry about you fat shaming me or not including me or not promoting me or whatever. Like, There's so much underneath this Clarissa that it needs to be talked about yeah and I'm not saying everybody has to fly first class but if you have a physical condition I think that that's something you should be able to talk about and be met absolutely. with race absolutely and understanding and we value your contributions and how can we make this work yeah and I would say the only place we've sort of made steps toward that might be around cancer which of course is good because we spent ages stop whispering about yep. the C word. But I think it, if people have other mental or physical conditions, we are as a business community and my own experience and what I hear from the women I work with, this is miles away. The ability to be this inclusive and to think this laterally. And so what you're doing within lipedema is fantastic, but it also has far greater ramifications. Yeah. Everybody. Well, I'm learning. I'm a student of life. I can tell you that. And I'll say that the thing on, we talked about self-care, but there is a mental health component to this that I think is important to bring up. And that is you're already shaming yourself, feeling fat. You're already like, why does my body not work? And why does so-and-so take a diet and they're fine and they don't gain it back? Or so-and-so can move mountains and never break their ankle, whatever, right? How come they can fit at the yeah. gap? And I'm over here at Lane Bryant. Like all these things, right? One of the things like, and I'm, yeah. by the way, thank you, Lane Bryant. I'm just going to say that. Thank you for having cute clothes. Okay. Um, one of the things I would say is that it's a very isolating condition and you don't want to go out in public because you're anxious about fitting in seats or moving or you, you know, I have a disabled parking thing that I can hang out now. And every time I get out, I wonder, do they just go, well, if you'd lose weight, you wouldn't be disabled. Like I literally hear the world talking at me when I get out of my car. And that's horrible to like try and gear up and show yes. up and be your best. So quieting those thoughts and then understanding and educating others to be more aware, I think is all we can do to support the larger mental health because yes. 
when you get to stage three where I'm at, the I think the last stat I had was 40% of stage three women are on permanent disability because they're unable to function and work. But if we were to catch it earlier, and if we could create an inclusive workplace, how many of those women could be contributing to society and holding on to their self-esteem and bringing all of themselves into the world rather than I can't walk to the office or get on that plane so I can't work? You know? Yeah. 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 And that's so heartbreaking because your, bra your brain isn't affected. Your ability to contribute, uh, in, particularly in, a, in an intellectual role, is, is not no, affected yeah. like that. So, yeah, and how do you no, pay for the compression that's and everything that's not covered by insurance if you're not working? It's, it's exactly. I mean, even if you have public medicine, the chance that you would need to have private in these incidences is pretty guaranteed. You know, it's interesting you say that. One thing I'll um, bring up, if I might, is that Europe is way more advanced on understanding and treating lipedema than the United States. So I know you're going to giggle, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they yeah. can actually yeah. tell you of lipedema yeah. because it's, it's such a common knowledge over there. They'll walk up to you and go, hey, do you know about lipedema? And the person goes, no. And they go, hey, I think you have it. Here's this thing. Go here. And they send you to these like clinics where they'll teach you how to eat, put you in a pool every day, give you some psychological support to understand and embrace and thrive with this condition. Now, I'm making it sound all perfect over there. It's not perfect. There's a long way to go, but yeah. there's a basic understanding and a compassion around this versus just, you know, you're the fat American eating a hot dog sitting on the park bench in your scooter, you know? Yeah. 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 Exactly. So Lisa, from a campaign perspective, what is it that we can as a community do to raise this awareness? <laughs> okay. There's a documentary called The Disease They Call Fat. Watch the documentary. Uh, Catherine Sayo is the founder of Lipedema Simplified. And when she figured out she had this, she partnered up with her doctor and built and made a documentary about this. Um, her organization, Lipedema Simplified, is how I found my community and my tribe. So go on their website, go to their free events, follow them on Facebook, um, share this podcast episode. Right. Talk to anybody that, you know, that's a woman and just share the information. Yep. Right. And if you believe you have lipedema, yep. run, don't walk, go to lipedema simplified and join us and, you know, figure out how you can get the support you need, because chances are if whoever's listening, it's either you or eight other people in your circle that have this. Um, get to know your lymph system, understand how it works, right? Pay attention to your hormones and, Talk to your doctor, you know, just even asking the question, they're going to be more curious. Um, I'm trying to think of small practical steps people can do. I would say watch the documentary, um, share this podcast. And then if you do believe you have it, join Lipedema Simplified so that they can. Um, I don't work for them, by the way. There's no affiliate. I just, they saved my life. So I'm just like, we need, you need to know about them, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 And I do yep. talk about it regularly now. I'm even talking about it more regularly on LinkedIn. So you're happy. You can follow me or share or like, and then, you know, I can keep you reminding you what you can do. Um, exactly. But we're in it together and it, it's affecting society. 
I mean, women are the mothers, the aunties, you know, the matriarchs, um, and they're suffering and they don't need to. And we can catch it early and you don't have to be where I am. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I just appreciate you coming on here, sharing your story and providing such great insight into something that every one of us should know about, but most of us, including myself, have walked around in a, a blanket of ignorance about. <laughs> so I appreciate you so much for your honesty, your courage. Thank you, oh. Lisa. Thank you so much for coming on the Marissa, show. It's funny because I don't think about it as courage. I'm almost like desperate to like shout it from the rooftops to help people. Um, and I've also found it very... Um, empowering to to claim this because i'm not i'm not living in shame anymore like i have a disease and so that's been um thank you for creating the space for me to to claim to take my power back and to do something to be of service to others and i really want to say um i've always felt felt a very special connection to you from the moment we met the first the first time i came on your show why i had you on mine because i really do believe there's an intersection of women's health and the workplace and thank you for everything that you do to help women thrive in their bodies, in their communities, and, and at work. Um, so it's been an honor to be here today. And thank you for letting me share my story. It's been my pleasure, too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Thriving Through Menopause. If you like this podcast episode, please hop over to my website, thrivethroughmenopause.com and rate and review it. And thank you if you do that, because it helps others to find the show. Want more news and views on perimenopause and menopause? Then sign up to my weekly newsletter, Heart of Menopause, over on Substack. Thank you once again for listening, and see you next week for another guest interview helping you to thrive through menopause.